This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Developing a go-through spirit. Um, this is a phrase that you will not find particularly in the Bible. Um, in the Bible, you find language talking about perseverance, about endurance, about pressing on, and, and that type of an idea. Uh, I really got the, not, the, not the, the idea for the message, but the title anyway from my dad. My dad uh, was saved a number of years ago and uh, was in another church. And in the church, they had a prayer line and he came up for prayer. And whenever the, the, man, the, the preacher asked him, what can I pray for you for? What's the, what are you up for? My dad said, I want to go through spirit. He didn't know where it came from. It just came to his mind. It just came into his spirit. I want to go through spirit. And I want to speak about having a go through spirit or developing a go through spirit. Now, what is that? What does that translate? You know, there's so much in this life that is hard. It's like, hey, life isn't easy. But there has to be something about us that just holds on, that is tenacious, that is determined, that decides that I'm going to press on and press through whatever I'm going to go through. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter. You know, it's so easy to get blown around and have things come against us and things weigh us down and burden us and to be distracted and to be frivolous about things that are important. We can be so careless, so careless with things that are eternal, so careless with things that matter, and we apprise something that does not matter. We can elevate something else to a place of value that it doesn't deserve. Something that is transient, something that is a waste of time. You know, we surround ourselves, we know people every day, we meet people who are filled with conversations about, uh, you know, things like Big Brother or the latest TV show or the latest uh, fly on the wall documentary. Or they're so filled with this celebrity here or that celebrity and they're talking about this person and I've never heard of half of them. I listen to these people and they're, they're talking about them and they're all excited and I'm going like, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. They're so enamored by the latest TV show that's been running for five, five seasons, six seasons, seven seasons, and you're going, at the end of the day, what does it matter? In five years' time, it'll be forgotten. We, we fill our minds and we, we grip ourselves with things that do not matter, but there has to be something about the child of God that, that, that's eternal. We have to decide ourselves, I am going to press on into the things of God. I'm going to hold on to what God has told me. This is something that is important to me. God has given me his word. He has stirred me up. He's given me a promise for my life. And I'm going to hold on to that no matter what happens. I'm going to press through the storms and the troubles that come against us. And I'm going to push on through those to the point where I receive what God has promised for me. Now, there's many things that can fall into that category, many things that can encompass something for our personal lives. It can, be, it can be something like healing. It can be something like fulfillment in a particular area. It can be an area where, God, where you feel God wants to use you. It can be relationships. It can be other things that, that struggles will come against us, where things will come against our minds and against our spirits and against our bodies. 
And we need to be determined. We need to make up our minds before it comes that no, doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to push on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep believing God because he is the one who doesn't change. He is the God who is the creator of all things. You know, he has marked us. He has put his name upon us. We, have, we go around and we call ourselves Christians after the name of Christ. That's, that's an important thing. We have been marked, set aside. We are his people. So the world, the flesh and the devil, the enemy of our souls now has got us with a target on us. And things will come against us. Yes, things will come against every man and woman. But there should be something different about us. There should be something different about the man or woman of God that marks them as different. Something that will give us a firm foundation for the storms ahead. Something about us that is stable, that is permanent. And yes, I'm talking about the word, but you have to stand on the word. You have to believe the word. You have to believe what God has said to you, what God has given to you. You have to have faith in that. It's not merely a mental assent where we just go, yes, I believe that. You know what? There comes a time in all our lives where we have to tie a knot and say, I've fallen to the bottom of the rope and I'm not letting go. Too many Christians in this day and age, too many of us are so frivolous with things that are important, things that are valuable, things that are of eternal worth. How many times have we been in the house and an uncle you haven't seen in 15 years comes up and says, I'm here. Oh, but it's six o'clock. I go to church normally, but my uncle's here. I haven't seen him in 15 years. I'm going to stay in with my uncle and have a cup of tea. You know what? We, these things are important. Coming to the house of God, listening to the word of God, sharing in corporate fellowship and corporate worship is important. We should be saying to our uncle, come with us. Come and hear the word of God. Come and hear what God has to say to us. I'm not talking to you, Zoni. I'm talking to myself. We have to set the precedent. We have to make a decision in our hearts and in our minds that I'm going to follow God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to pursue God. And everything else can filter in behind that. And everything else can work its way out. And everything else can arrange itself in a set of priorities. But God is what's important. And spending time with God and spending time in his word is important. We used to talk in, in the old time Pentecost. I, I keep feeling the need to talk about old time church, even though I'm not that old. Uh, but it's a case of, I, gr I grew up in a church that was old time before old time was old time. You know, it was always old time. You know, we used to talk about God being our portion. We used to, we used to say that, that he is our portion. You never hear people talking about that or singing about that anymore. But he is our portion. Now we've got so many other things that are portions. We talk about portions or segments in our life or compartments. No, no, he should be our portion. He should be our all in all. The one that we prize the most, the one that we put the most value in, we're coming into his presence, coming to spend time with him. That should be something that we, we treasure and we value. It should be. You know, I see, I see Elaine down at the back there who comes in after work. There's so many other people who might work on a Sunday who don't even bother. But for her, it's a value. There's a portion. I've come, I've decided I want to hear from God. I want to put, I want to hear something of eternity. And that's the, that's the point we have to get back to. And I want to talk tonight about developing that, about where, what's the importance of it and that sort of thing. 
So we go through these, these oppositions, these things, whether it's, it's, it's circumstantial, whether it's people in our lives who come along, whether it's health issues, whether it's you know, uh, things that confuse us and worry us and stress us, whether it's real or tangible, there's these things come against us and to distract us. But we need a spirit, as I said, that says, come what may, I'm going to go on with God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to hold on to his promises, hold on to what he has told me. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 6 says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supplying moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. Perseverance and godliness are linked together in that sense. But that's the idea, perseverance, pressing through, pressing through into the things of God, having a bit of a tenacity about us, a tenacity, a determination to seek God, to to spend time with him, to believe what he has told us, to believe his word. So we can go through these distractions and sabotages and delays and things can happen to us. There can be delays in in finding and in the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives, individual promises that we may have received. There can be delays and things like that, but we need to hold on and keep believing God, keep trusting God, keep trusting that he does not change and that his character is not changing. So we do not, as the people of God, court and look for these distractions. We don't look for them, but they come to us. The scriptures are full of examples of, of things that have come against the people of God, that have come against them and caused them to either fall into doubt or unbelief or to question things. Was that really God? There's so many examples throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You've got various kingdoms and various things like that there that come against them. But it says, for example, in Psalm 16, verse 8, that I have set the Lord continually before me because he he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Determination, doesn't matter what is coming against us. We're determined to follow on with these things, determined to follow God, determined to believe what he has told us. I'm gonna go through this and I will survive because I know that my God reigns. You know, it's a message we need to tell young believers. Things are going to happen. There's going to be troubles ahead. There's going to be things that happen, but you need to keep holding God, keep believing God, keep trusting God, keep believing that he's, going to, he's working everything out for your good and for his purposes. So the first thing I want to look at is Joshua chapter 10, if you have your Bible. Joshua chapter 10. This really, in some ways, this, this passage follows on from the last time I spoke Joshua chapter 10, 22 to 26. The background of the story from the, was that they were fighting the five Amorite kings and they had defeated them. And what they've done is they've come along and they have found them captured in a cave. So verse 22 says, Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out these five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. 
So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. Don't need to read any further. It's a rather graphic picture. Today, many ways, this would be entirely illegal and and there'd be an uproar in the media. But at the time, there was circumstances and there was cultural things going on. But they've defeated these five Amorite kings. It's it's fascinating, as we spoke about it last time, to see how God had blessed them and God had blessed the people and they've been going forward in victory. In many ways, when you look at this passage, it's an odd passage because they've been walking in victory. And yet here, Joshua is leading them in a ceremony of sorts that seems out of place. They've walked in victory. They've defeated enemies. And yet here, Joshua has got these five kings and he's got them presumably kneeling or lying down. And then he's got the, his commanders, the elders to, to come along and to put their foot on the neck of the defeated king. Um, it, it, like I said, it's very odd. It's, I can't explain it in some ways but it's a message of success. See, they had had successes, but they were going to have more battles. They, they had had breakthroughs in certain areas. They had defeated enemies, but there was more enemies to come. There was trouble ahead. There was things that they were going to face that they might've thought, okay, we've had a few battles and successes. Maybe that's enough. Maybe we didn't, don't need to go any further. Maybe, maybe there was things like that going on in their mind. See, Joshua was there. I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on in their minds and in their hearts. I don't know what they were thinking, what they were talking about. But when you read into it, when you look at it in light of their successes and in light of their future battles, they were setting priorities. They were setting things in order. They were setting them into a position where they anticipated more success. I mean, can you imagine the, the elders that night or the captains going to their families and saying to them, you'll never guess what happened today. Yes, we had that big victory, which the family would have known about. But then they get these five kings and they laid them down and they were in their royal robes and might put my smelly old feet on the top back of their neck. And then Joshua looked at me. And now it doesn't say in the scriptures there that he said it to everyone or he said it to them individually. I like to think that he said it to them individually as they they each went through this ceremony. Do not be afraid, nor to be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for this the Lord will do to all your enemies whom you fight. It's quite a promise. You know, as Pastor mentioned this morning, it says that Jesus set his face as a flint. It goes back to that idea of determination. They determined that there's battles coming, but I've received a promise. This I will do to the enemies you'll face. This will happen again. You'll get more victory. You need to keep on going. You'll still battle the fight, but you need to keep on going. The promise was keep going. Doesn't matter who comes against you, keep going. 
doesn't matter how bad it is, how big the battle is, how harder the enemies become, because these were the southern kingdoms. You could guess that the northern kingdoms, as northerners tend to be, is harder. Some of them are. To determine that you're going, to, you're going to have struggle, you're going to have hardships, but determine that God has ordained that you'll have victory, that you'll have success, that you'll, have, you'll get to the end of the road, you'll get to the place he wants you to be. A go-through spirit is a spirit that is gripped by the idea, gripped by the promise of victory. That promise from God that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us, that he has got purposes, that he has got a plan for our life, that he has given us promises. Has anyone received a promise from God here tonight? Has God promised you something? Has he laid something on your heart and told you that one day you will see this? Has he done that? He promised in that promise, there is the promise of victory. He doesn't waste his breath and, t- and give you a promise for your life or for your family. He doesn't give you a promise without the seeds of victory in that promise. The fulfillment is guaranteed. And we have to determine in our hearts that I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe what he has told me. I'm going to believe what he said in his word. And I'm going to stand upon it. And I'm going to hold on no matter what happens. I've come to the end of the line. I'm tying it around my waist and tying a big knot in it. And I'm going to go through. I'm going to go on no matter what happens, no matter what comes against me. Some people have that attitude that I'm going to go on with God and they say it and it's merely a head knowledge. And yet you see them, we've seen them and we know them. And the first sign of conflict, the first sign of difficulty, first sign of, uh, of uncertainty, of, of panic, of, of what apparently failure, or apparently setbacks, they fall apart. First sign of trouble, they're, oh, I need to stay home tonight and worry about this one. I need to worry about this. I need to talk to someone. Yes, talking to someone's good, but we need to talk to God more. We need to focus on God. We need to, you know, these things are important. God is important. What God has said to us is important. We need to, as I said, this is the one point I keep coming back to. Determine in our hearts that we will follow him, that we will press on, that we will go through. What about Haggai and Zechariah? If they didn't have that go-through spirit, the temple would never have been built after the exile. I'm going to go on. I'm going to build the temple. I'm going to do something. It had sat for 15 or 16 years unbuilt. And they came along and said, listen, it's hard. It's difficult. You've got your own houses to build, but come on, the temple's in ruins. Let's build it. Let's go through. Let's move on. What about Nehemiah? He came back and he built the walls. If he didn't have that, uh, that attitude, that uh, a perseverance, that go through spirit, the walls would never have been built. He drove people, he encouraged them, he kept them going, kept them focused. And we can do that in our own families, in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, by being determined to follow God, to be being determined to stand upon his word and upon his promises. We looked after a relative, probably about a year and a half ago, their young child, and we brought them to church on Sunday morning. And then when it came to going to church on Sunday night, they weren't pleased. 
we're not pleased at all. Do I even mean church twice on a Sunday? Church once on a Sunday was big enough deal they made, but church twice. But we have to be determined that we're going to follow God. You know what? You want to stay in our house, you're going to come with us to church. You're going to, you're going to, come, you're going to stay in our house. We'll tell you what, we pray over some, our meals, some of our meals, <laughs> the special ones. <laughs> You know, you know, it's about it's about determining in our hearts that you know it doesn't matter. I, I, I've set a value system. I've set a, a, a things that are important by the word of God. You know, I don't just believe in God on a Sunday. I just don't read the Bible when I'm in church. You know, I, I pick it up during the week. These things are important. They're valuable. They're important to me because they change me, they change my circumstances, they bring me a step closer to what God has promised to me. What God is doing in my life is a step closer to being fulfilled. It's being a step closer to me becoming the man that God wants me to be. These are things that we have to determine. And I'm sure many of us have here tonight have determined these things, but I want to encourage us again to to place value on the word of God, on the promises of God, to push back and push off the things that this world would try and put upon us. It says in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Is he greater in your life? Is he greater in your life? Is he greater than the latest fad? Is he greater than someone else's opinion? Is he greater than the latest TV program or the latest whatever? Is he greater than any confusion or distress that you might be coming into your mind and into your heart? Is he greater than any sickness or disease that might be coming against your body? He is greater. He is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So from the importance of a go-through spirit, we come to the rewards of a go-through spirit. Turn over to your right there in Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. And verse six. See, I'm making up for pastor this morning. We read one verse this morning, so I decided we'd read a whole lot of verses tonight. (laughs) Joshua 14 and verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the the son of Jephunneh, the the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word of the Lord, which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Glory to God. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord of God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was, there, are, and we don't need to read that. <laughs> What a story, though. What a, what a man standing on the promises of God. What a faith. What a determination. Could you imagine? He was 40 years old whenever he had received the promise. And here he is, 45 years later, saying to, to Joshua, I got a promise back then. I want it. I want it. That's what God told me, and I want it. That's determination. That is that's some faith. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, said to me, sent me out to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back the word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went out with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Wholly followed the Lord my God. The promise isn't recorded in Scripture. We don't see it really anywhere in Scripture, but you know what? Oh, for this particular mountain, but you know what? The promise is there to him personally. He got a hold of it. He, he got a vision of it. He decided it didn't matter what happened. He'd spent 45 years of delays, 45 years of ignoring death all around him, 45 years of not hearing the words of doubt that other people were saying, 45 years of waiting. You leave the other thing aside, 45 years of waiting. 45 minutes is a long wait for me. 45 years of waiting, 45 years of believing God, of believing the promise, 45 years of confidence in God, he wholly trusted in God, 45 years of holding on to the victory that he had seen by faith and not yet experienced, 45 years of being unmoved in the face of conflict, 45 years of living like a more than conqueror. Praise the Lord. Holding on despite what the circumstances said. Believing God at his word. Trusting him. Now, if that doesn't define a go-through spirit, I don't know what does. If that doesn't define a man who's standing on the word of God, who's believing God, I don't know what does holding on despite what happens, despite what he was going through, despite what was happening in the tent next door, he was still going on. Praise the Lord. God is good. That is that's something to encourage us, something to lift us up. He held on for 45 years and seen the miracles, seen what God had promised him. 45 years. I hope he doesn't wait that long for me. <laughs> but if he does, but if he does, 
praise the Lord, the miracle's on the way. Someone used to say, praise the Lord, God's still in control. Praise the Lord, it doesn't matter how many people drop dead around me. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep moving on in the purposes of God. I'm going to go through this, through this to get to that, to get to the fulfillment. Glory to God. My wife told me last time I spoke, she says, you say glory to God too much. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. God's a good God. Isn't he worth trusting? Isn't he worth believing in? Isn't he worth something eternal? Isn't it something eternal? It's not blown around by people's opinions or knocked around by the latest fad or, or in fancy notion. This is something solid. God is someone solid we can trust in, that we can believe in. It said in Hebrews 10, 36, for you have, heard, for you have need of endurance so that, we, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Pressing on. We, just, we receive a promise, yes, but we, we, we have to use our faith. We have to believe God as well. Trust him. To receive a promise isn't merely just a, you know, that's it. You, 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 you know, sometimes God does give us a promise and it'll come to pass. There's some promises that we have to believe in, that we have to receive, that we have to go by faith. I'm agreeing with God. I'm agreeing with his word. I'm standing upon his promise for my life, standing upon his promise for my family. And I bring you through it, deliver us from it. It says in Hebrews 11, 11, that Sarah judged him who, as faithful who had promised. Do you judge him as faithful tonight? Do you judge those promises that he has given you as worthy of your attention, of worthy of your, of your, your, your care, worthy of something to be prized and remembered and held onto and treated as dear? We are way too easily moved by what we see and what we go through how we feel, way too easily put off by a little bit of conflict or a little bit of, of hardships. Caleb held on for 45 years, 45 years. You know, we don't have to figure out everything. We don't have to work out all the details. And in fact, it's better that we don't. It's better that we just trust God and we walk on and we hold on for that day that he will bring about what he has promised bring about what he has laid on our hearts. It's better that we trust him and we keep moving forward. It's better that we keep going in that way. Do not quit the day before breakthrough. Do not quit the day before God brings about everything that he has promised. Every day that passed for 45 years, Caleb was getting a day closer to receiving the fulfillment of God's promise for his life. Every day, it was a day closer. See, we, we, we need to think of things that way. We need to think of things that way. That's another day down. That's another week down. I'm a week closer to receiving what God has promised me. That's a week down. That's another day down. I'm a week closer to being delivered from this desert or this wilderness. That's a week, another week down. That's another day down. I'm a, week, I'm a day closer, a week closer to receiving the fulfillment of what God has promised me. Do we look at it that way? Or do we just go, oh, that was another week. We're a week closer. We're a day closer. Every day, Caleb's tent was getting that wee bit closer. And then the day arrived. Can you imagine the excitement that day? 
Could you imagine it? This is the day. Look, my tent faces the mountain I want to go for. And then he went out. The day had arrived. So don't quit. Don't give up on what God has promised us just before receiving fulfillment. We don't know when that is going to be fulfilled, when God is going to do in our lives or in our church what he's promised he's going to do. We don't know when he's going to do it, but we need to keep holding on. It's going to be a terrible thing to finish a race just before the finish line. Wouldn't be a terrible thing to walk away from the gate at the airport just before the plane's about to depart. Wouldn't it be terrible to walk away from the carousel just before your bags came down the ramp? We need to keep pressing on, holding on, trusting God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's not in vain. Don't be shaken. Don't be, don't be panicking about what God has promised you. Don't work it out. Let him work it out and believe him. Trust him. Hold on. It says in Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and had, has followed me fully, I will bring in, into the land which he entered and his descendants shall make possession of it. Because he has a different spirit. He had a spirit that was going through regardless of how long it took, regardless of what he seen and regardless of what he went through. He had a spirit that, that wholly followed after God, wholly believed in what God had promised him and was determined to go on in those things. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we've seen the importance of a go-through spirit and the rewards of it. Now the danger of losing that go-through spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and a teacher uh, of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Paul writing to Timothy, therefore do not be ashamed of me or of the testimony of the gospel. He was in prison. Be very easy for people in any age to look at him and say, he's a failure. 
you know, it, we as a society, as a culture, as individuals throughout time, I would say we don't like conflict. We don't like it whenever personalities clash. We don't like it when people have theological disagreements. We don't like it when things like that happen and we feel uncomfortable with it. Sometimes people uh, of a certain ilk can look at difficulty and conflict like that and look at Paul's situation and say to themselves, he's not walking in the purposes of God. He's not walking in the plans of God. He's not walking in the grace of God. He's causing too much difficulties. He's being too controversial. I'm going to step back from him. I'm just going to let him have his time. You know, maybe God's working on him and molding his character. And they, they can think things like that. Here, the apostles in prison, he really can't be living that victorious life. He's going through hardships. Surely that means he's done something wrong and God's judging him. Or, 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 and this is the attitude that, that people can have when it comes to conflict. Paul's saying to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me for the gospel's sake. I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of these things. Don't, don't, think conflict is necessarily a bad thing because it can be a good thing. Conflict could be making, could be, uh, the point could be the conflict that someone's feeling convicted, that someone's feeling rubbed against. In our lives, we can encounter people who have conflict with us. They can argue with us over the scriptures and our tendency could be to step back. Uh, our tendency, not just when it comes to talking about the scriptures, but I mean, talking about simple things like the gospel. You know, we're in a day and age now where it is not very popular to say that, um, that this is sin and this is not right. It's not very popular to point sin out. Um, yes, we should do it lovingly and all the rest, but it's not popular to use the word sin. It's not popular to say that, um, that unless you come to know Christ as your personal savior, you're going into a lost eternity. It's not popular to say that one day every man will be judged for the deeds in the flesh. It's not popular to say those things. There can be a point where the church can step back from those and go, I'm not going to press in. I'm not going to go on with what God has given us as the word, as the gospel, the good news. I'm not going to go on with those things in such a bold way. I'm going to try and sneak it in. But the truth is the gospel message is, is, is a, a valuable message today that needs to be uh, uh, proclaimed as loudly and as boldly as ever. We don't need to be shying away from the truth of what God has done. Conflict was seen here as something, oh, I'm, I'm not sure we need to, maybe you, could, maybe you could sort of be a bit more gentle whenever you're encountering, encountering people and just tell them about the lovely side of God and the lovely side. But we need to push on and go through hardships sometimes for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the word of God, for the sake of who God is. We need to push through those things in order to then get the message out. It's not that we create those things, but those things come against the man and woman who go, of God who's not afraid to say, God's plan for the, for the lives of all men is that they live in relationship with him. God's plan for all men and women is that they come to acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior. We're in this day and age and we'll become increasingly so where it's going to become unpopular. But we still need to proclaim it. We still need to be firm on it. We still need to have it in our hearts and our minds as something that's of value, something that's to be 
raised up and something that's to be stood upon and something that is to be proclaimed. We can't just abandon it because it's controversial or because it's difficult. What would happen to the world if the people of God didn't see those things as valuable? What would happen to the world if, if the church no longer proclaimed the cross? If they no longer proclaimed the value of the blood to wash away our sins, to cleanse us as white as snow? The world knows all there is to know about guilt, knows all there is to know about, you know, uh, uh, feeling guilty for, for doing wrong. They, they, they feel, felt it. They need to know the way in which they can receive forgiveness, the way they can be cleansed from their unrighteousness, from their failures, from their, from their uh, sins. We need to proclaim a gospel message that is worth, it's worth a little hardship. It's worth a little difficulty, a little bit of uneasiness, a little bit of awkwardness. Someone comes along in your workplace and they start to say, I've lost someone. I've gone through an experience. I don't know how to, under, how to grasp it or how to explain it. I can't quite get my head around it. As a child of God, that's a perfect opening to say to him, I know what you mean. Let me tell you about someone who's gone through some stuff. Let me tell you someone who's made sense of all that I have gone through. Let me tell you about someone who's changed my life. You see, if we prize God, prize his word, prize what he has done in our lives, if he has made that change in us, that it doesn't matter what that wee bit of conflict's gonna do. That wee bit of conflict isn't a bad thing. That bit of difficulty is to stand up and to proclaim the good news to stand up in that individual relationship and that friendship and say to them, listen, I understand what you're going through, but the scriptures say that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. God tells us that it's not healthy for you. It's not wholesome for you. We need to be, have the courage and the grace to say it, but we need to do that, to press through, to, to, to go through a little bit of difficulty in order to do that. As I said, increasingly, there's many, many churches that are getting away from the, the central message of the cross, the central message of Christ's forgiving power, of his blood that was shed for us. So many churches will preach about everything under the sun and yet leave this important foundational bedrock unspoken of. We need to have the courage to press on, to keep going, to keep proclaiming it, to keep declaring it to our generation, to keep telling our families, listen, I know I told you last year at last Christmas, but it's still the truth. It still makes sense. It still solves all our problems, still explains everything that we're going through. The world needs to have a church that is determined to go through with the gospel and take it to another generation. There are so many people out there who need to hear it, that need to hear it. We'll meet them every day. We'll meet them tomorrow morning. People who need to hear that this life can make sense, that this life can be cleansed, that, can, that we can be cleansed of all of our sins and made righteous before God, that we can, be, we can be changed, transformed from the kingdom of darkness, which they've spent the entire weekend enjoying. They've spent the weekend enjoying it, but they can be translated from that kingdom to an eternal kingdom, to a kingdom of light, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of peace, 
an eternal kingdom. You know, my dad, whenever he got saved, and he prayed that prayer, but regardless of that prayer, he, he got saved and he determined that he was going to follow God. He was going to live for God, come what may. The pastor knows my dad's story. It's a, a remarkable and funny story, but he determined, I'm going to go on with God. He determined that the first week after he got saved, he'd been going to church all his life, never once heard the gospel. And he determined that the very next day after he got saved, we're having dinner, sat down with his parents, says, wait, something happened last night. And, I, and he says, we're, not going to, we're going to be doing this now. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Blessed your bodies. Amen. <laughs> My granny and granda near had a, <laughs> near had a heart attack. The, the granny screamed <laughs> and started crying. And my, my granda went, Willie, look what you did. Look what you did. Look what you did. <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad's going, <laughs> eating away. He went through hardships like that. They ended up calling the, the local minister. They called the local minister to come and have a word with him because he's become too radical. He determined that this was worth his life. He determined that God was important and that pressing on was important. The minister came and had a word with him and he, he, he couldn't answer, couldn't explain it to him. But my dad lived to see the day where my granny and granda came to know the Lord. And my granny said to my dad before she passed away, she said, I am so glad you didn't listen to us. I'm so glad you didn't listen to us. You know, and I can say from behalf of me and my brother, I can say, I'm so glad he didn't listen to him. He doesn't listen to them. He held on. He puts value in these things, put value in the God and the, God's promises to him. You know, it says in Hebrews 12, verse one, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. It doesn't have to be a sin that's entangling us. It could be something else that is pulling us back, that is preventing us from going on and pressing on into the purposes of God, standing up for the gospel, standing up for the things of God. It can be something else. But let's cast them aside, every encumbrance, and press on. So what is the source of this go-through spirit? It's Jesus. Jesus. Remember we used to sing the song as kids with Christ in the vessel we can smile at the storm. Remember? With Christ in the vessel we can go through a wee bit of hardship. Go through a little bit of difficulty knowing that he is with us knowing that it doesn't matter what happens in our circumstances. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow morning. I've determined he's in the vessel. He's still with me. He still loves me. He still cares for me. He's still holding on. He's still planning for me. He's still working out circumstances. He's still doing a great work in my life that I, have, I can't see it right now, but I'm going to keep holding on. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Is he precious to us? 
Is his word precious to us? Is his promises precious to us? Things that he has given us, promised us, are we still holding on to them? Standing upon them, believing them? 45 years is a long wait for Caleb. A long wait. He's 85. You know, how's he going to enjoy it? But it says it was going to be his inheritance for his kids. So he was holding on for the promise that he would see fulfilled, but that his kids would then enjoy. His kids would appreciate what he had gone through. And that's what the parents who are here tonight, when they bring their kids to church, force them to church sometimes. But that's what they're, they're doing. They're bringing them up in an inheritance, something of value, something of eternity. We need to remember that Christ is in the vessel. He is with us. He knows what we are going through. He knows what storm is around us. He knows what is coming against us, what burdens and cares of this world are weighing us down. And we just need, we need to throw it off and remember who is with us. You know, the disciples were in the boat. Jesus had spent all day telling parables and teaching the people, and then they cast off into the sea. Cast out to the sea. And you can imagine what the, the disciples were going through, weathered sailors, and as they cast out into the sea, you can imagine afterwards them telling the story. They'd been in storms before, so we had wild storms, bad storms, fishermen's. We were accustomed to nights and days and out on the sea, but this storm seemed worse than every other one. This storm, the clouds were darker. The rain was heavier. The thunder was louder. The lightning was brighter. For some reason, this night seemed like a worst night ever. It was a bad night. It was terrible. Already, we, 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 we didn't get far. We had been toiling and, and rowing and, and trying to get out of the storm, but we couldn't get out of the storm. And then the water started coming in. It started coming over and we were trying to bail, but we didn't have much to bail with. And they tried and tried, so we did, but we couldn't get the water out. And the storm was still raging and it seemed to be getting harder and heavier and stronger. And we didn't know what to get out. And we looked about to see where Jesus was and where was he? He was in the back of the ship. He had his head on a pillow, sound asleep. I could have, could have strangled him when I seen that. I could have strangled. Doesn't he know we're dying? Doesn't he know the ship could go down at any time? So we went down and we woke him up and we said, don't you know the storm's bad? Don't you know it's, we're all going to perish? He didn't respond, but he got up and he looked around and he said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. That was all he said. And the still settled everywhere. The water was flat, the storm was gone, and everything was different. What sort of man was this that we had in the vessel? What sort of man was this who was with us? With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Hold on, and don't forget, no matter what we go through, he's with us. And he'd never leave us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
we produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk